Welcome to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and someone who grew up with the golden rule, do unto others as you have them do unto you, the golden rule. Today's guest has offers an interpretation of the golden rule for our time. The other does not mean humans. The other is everything, nature, air, trees, water, soil. Uh, and this book offers a new interpretation of this golden rule. To save ourselves, we must save the others. To save the other, we must free ourselves. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Jean. Thank you, Laura. I'm delighted to be here today. And delighted to have you. So uh, you wrote a book called um, Whole Earth Justice. Correct. So tell us about that book. Um, it's interesting. It started actually about 25 years ago, <laughs> believe it or not, um, in one of those moments that you know we kind of all go through in life where things didn't seem to be working for me very well. And uh, so I thought I better try and figure out what I believe. I had kind of fallen out of the church that I grew up in and all kinds of stuff like that. And and um, so I started reading uh, different religious ideas and uh, and science ideas, particularly physics and, and so forth. And I wrote something called My Big Toe, which is uh, the scientists when they were – the physicists when they're trying to um, uh, combine uh, relativity and quantum mechanics, they – they called that a toe, which is a theory of everything. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that idea just kind of stuck, that that's what I needed or what I was looking for. It was such a playful word, was, word too, and it almost has a metaphoric meaning too. Yeah. My big toe, I mean, it's a real big thing, but it's also right. this really little thing at the right. same time. Right. So I set out 25 years ago to uh, write something called my big toe, which is my theory of everything. And what I, what I really ended up kind of coming to um, was this idea that we are interdependent beings living in an interdependent world, but we're dealing with the consequences of an independent culture. And that's really what our time is about and, uh, and a lot of things that is going on in the world can kind of be explained through that. Right. So um, humans, once upon a time, we thought the earth was the center of the universe. Right. And then we learned that the earth wasn't. But in a lot of ways right now, we see humans as the center of the earth. Right, right. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I, you know, if you look at the construction of the, of the universe that we live in or the world that we live in, uh, you know, what, what we think of as us is made up of a you know, group of organs and parts and, and that's made up of a group of cells and that's made up of molecules and then atoms and subatomic particles. And the same thing happens above. So you have these layers where everything is built from the layer below. And so in a very real sense, this thing is, a, is an interdependent construction completely. And the same is kind of true from the operating standpoint. So, uh, you know, our breath comes from plants and trees. And uh, they're really the other half of our respiratory system. And our nutrition comes from other plants and animals and all the cycles that sustain them. And uh, our lifestyle and, and work really comes from the accumulated knowledge of civilization, not from ourselves. And even our personal characteristics come from our ancestors through our DNA. So in a very real sense, we are completely interdependent beings and we are living in a completely interdependent world. And, and we don't have a cultural understanding of that. No. No. Not at all. No. And it can inform what's going on in our lives is really the point of the book. Is right. That, that prism can kind of inform 
our decision-making and how we look at things. So I want to take this and sort of come up with an application from this last week. Um, so there's a news out that uh, the Viking Training Center in Egan, mm-hmm. um, they are going to uh, cut down nearly 3,000 trees. Sure. And But one council member said, um, well, when a developer starts a project, it's typical to remove trees and then replant them later. Right. So we have this idea that, you know, you cut down this tree and then we replant it over here and it's perfectly fine. Yeah. And that's not quite accurate. Just like it wasn't accurate that the earth was not the center of the universe, yeah. it's not accurate that if we cut down trees over here, we can just simply replant them over here. That's right. not how reality works. Right, right. Yeah, the humans aren't. The aren't in charge necessarily, <laughs> you know, and uh, and you know, but it it may it may be okay too, depending right. on what we're getting out of it, and yeah. and uh, and depending on how we're doing it. But I mean, we do surgery all the time too, where we're right. taking parts of ourselves and 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 so forth. But I think what's interesting is the idea of really considering it, Cons- looking at that problem through uh, kind of an interdependent versus independent prism and saying, you know, what would be the best for everybody, the trees and the team and the community and everybody. Yeah. And so um, the book Whole Earth Justice, it's a fictional book. Yep. And uh, but it's a real page turner, and it's a it's a fictional book, and it's about a new non-aligned, non-government uh, movement uh, that creates um, um, powerful changes in everyday life. Yeah, Whole Earth Justice is the actually the name of the movement, and it's kind of a spontaneous uh, movement. And actually, how the how the book happened is that I had this thing, my big toe, which I was <laughs> kind of fell in love with and and uh, and felt good about, and. Um, but I wanted to somehow teach that or offer that to the world and um, 18 or 20 years later, I came up with the idea or somebody suggested that it should be put in a fictional uh, adventure story and where the characters learn this stuff and then apply it in the real world. And so that's really what the, the book is about. I call it a, um, a, a you know kind of current um, – Social commentary wrapped in a fictional adventure story, <laughs> and in um, the the characters in the book, Justice Miller is the main character in the book. She is a um, economics professor at the University of Minnesota, but her her work is informed by her grandfather, who was an anthropologist, and he saw changes happening in society that other people didn't see. And he kind of mentored her and so forth. So she has a little bit different take on uh, than traditional economics and uh, and so she ends up outside of kind of the realm of uh, normal academic uh, spheres of economics and justice's grandfather um, I'm going to quote now he always stayed so calm and positive never casting people who disagree him as enemies yeah well um, He's kind of the Yoda character. Uh-huh. <laughs> My yes. Yoda character. Yeah, he's your Yoda character. Yes, and and uh, how I how I think of that is. Um, First of all, he kind of comes from a character that actually is in my my life, and so um, I, there, I did have a character like that in my life, but um, uh, who was always kind of was able to offer wisdom and and and, and so forth. But um, I, the idea is is that we are maturing as a civilization, as a society, and we go through these same stages as independent people go through. So 
we go through a dependent childhood, and then we go to an adolescent uh, independent stage, and then we go to an adult interdependent stage. And so we can stay calm because uh, people that see things differently than us might be in a different stage. That doesn't mean that they're evil or they're you know wrong or whatever. They might be looking at it from a different perspective than we are. And our civilization is largely independent these days and uh, that's what the kind of the primary value has been. And I think we are – there's a lot of evidence that we are evolving into a much more interdependent state. But – Right. And so then um, to take take this down and so application, I, I hear about people I, – I, I the remaining oak forest in the Twin yeah. Cities is so precious. Mm-hmm. We don't understand how precious it is. Yeah. And when I see the, the last forest in our area being cut, I have a lot, a lot of emotion around yeah. that. And so to try to monitor – not monitor, but th- that's why this idea of the golden rule, I mean, you know, to do under them – as as I like to have them undo undo unto me. I mean, I'd like people to you know take some time and understand me and see yeah. me not as the evil person, yeah. but to just try to understand that. So how we can move forward a more interdependent, nature respecting, yep. holistic philosophy of life yep. is to save ourselves. We must save the other. To save the other, we must free ourselves. So it's yep. kind of an atmosphere first. Yep. And 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 all of that comes about consideration. You know, because of consideration. It doesn't mean that. You know, every call is going to be easy. It, it means that we're we're struggling to consider the things that are important to consider. Yeah, yeah and so and there's also a lot of sports analogies in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so talk a little bit about those. Well, um, uh, I played some hockey when I was a kid, and um, and so I made Justice a, a goalie on the on the hockey team, a pretty successful one. And um, uh, goalies get kind of a bad rap, but because they're um, uh, sometimes seen as a little bit antisocial or 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 uh, or whatever, and uh, so but I wanted to make justice kind of in that um, kind of role where she was the last line of defense or the 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 fighter at the end, and uh, so that's kind of where that came from. And you worked locally with uh, Jay, so you want to talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that? And yeah, then. yeah, um, Jay Wall Jasper, he. Uh, he helped me. Um, uh, he's a friend and written a number of uh, books. Uh, the, I think one of the last ones was uh, "All That We Share: The Commons" um, by J. Wall Jasper, and, and uh, so he helped me um, a lot with this book in terms of um, directions. I mean, I wrote it all, but I would he read everything, and he would tell me where he thought I was, you know off in La La Land or, or uh, it was making sense for him and and we shifted it around a lot actually. Um, we kind of start in the middle and then go to the beginning and then go forward again and, and that was really all Jay's doing. And So he was an important um, figure in doing it. Jay unfortunately died recently and and uh, and uh, but he was a he was a great guy and very important uh, to the process. He's a former editor of Utney Reader, which yeah. is local, so that's it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about whole earth justice. How do we make it? And if we tell fictional stories about it, does that help us create it? Uh, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio on AM nine fifty, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Don't let 
Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and in studio with us is the author of Whole Earth Justice, Jean Turney. And Whole Earth Justice is an optimistic book. And you conclude the book by saying, interdependence is not impossible, overly optimistic, or foolish. It's the construction method underlying our reality. Yeah. And, wow. and the operating system of our reality. <laughs> the operating system too? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. I mean, you think about it as, you know, our breath is dependent on plants, all the trees and plants and and uh, and so forth. And I mean, we, we really are totally a part of these other things. We can't survive without them. And so I'm now going to go to the beginning. So you said that it's no surprise that humans would tax the cap- capacity of the earth. No. I think it's, it's uh, kind of a natural process is uh, you put a – um, you know, a dominant species in an environment of plenty, and it's going to grow and grow and grow until uh, it can't any longer. And uh, and then the question is, what's going to happen? It usually, uh, you know, gets smaller or dies off or 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 something, and that's kind of the natural process. I mean, is that there's a there's a cycle to it of kind of boom and bust, you know, cycle, and that's the way the world kind of regulates itself. And so how do we take this boom and bust and, and not extinguish our race but yeah. create something that is interdependent, that doesn't wipe out the trees, yeah. it doesn't pollute the water, yeah. but but creates a more abundant, wonderful world? Right. Well, that's that's kind of the moment where we are. And But one of the things that, that I think is uh, true is that we're very unique creatures and, and uh, you know, our knowledge is cumulative, which is very – different than anything else that has happened before. And so while it, it's probably true that this moment of kind of uh, existential crisis was probably, you know, able to be predicted for a long time, uh, it's also true that we've been preparing for it for a very long time, even though we didn't know it. And we've been preparing for it by accumulating the knowledge and the tools and the resources that we need to change. So, um, the, so the main character in this book is named Justin and um, Justice. Justice, I'm sorry, yeah. Justice. Yep. And um, and so um, her mother um, had several miscarriages. It yep. was a very precious pregnancy, and her yep. mother gets a brain aneurysm yep. when Justice is very young. And so, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so there's this traumatic uh, situation where the mother, uh, who has had several miscarriages. Um, uh, has this brain aneurysm and they want to operate, but they can't until after the baby is – they've taken the baby. The baby is born. And the mother, having had set these miscarriages, doesn't want to do that until, you know, the baby is viable. And so there's these tense moments in the hospital where uh, the, the they're all waiting uh, to be able to give birth to the baby so that they can go ahead and do the brain surgery. And the – the dad um, is going crazy. You know, it's tough for him to just sit and, and do nothing. And and his father, who's the mentor, the kind of the Yoda character, comes in and he says, "Well, why don't you why don't you start your daughter's education?" And he says, "Well, what do you mean?" He says, "Well, you can read to her. She, you know, she'll be able to hear you in utero." And so he thinks that's a great idea. And so he runs down to the bookstore and he picks up a a book that's there on the front table called The Dandelion Insurrection. And The Dandelion Insurrection is a is a novel um, about uh, people fighting for social justice. And um, so he reads that book to her 
and then it kind of um, dictates our whole life. Yeah, and that book's – I'm going to play a little clip from the author right now, um, Rivera Sun. So let's just hear a little clip from her today. Sure. Of our times, the fact that climate change is barreling down the crisis, uh, the crisis pipeline. We have uh, collusion of corporate and political power to such such extent we can't even imagine. We have an extreme income inequality. We have the military-industrial complex. I mean, really, if this was the Lord of the Rings, Mordor would be everywhere. And let's face it, we're all kind of a little bit like hobbits. We just want to stay home. We want to drink our tea. We want our fourses, sixes, elevenses, and twoses. We don't really want to get chased by orcs or whatever you have in The Lord of the Rings. We kind of want to live nice, comfortable lives. And then she ends up saying, but we're all Frodo, too. And so that, that and this is just a little thing. But you, So you play this book, um, uh, The Dandelion Insurrection, and it shows yeah. up again at the end. Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. At the at the at the end of the book, which is actually the middle of uh, Justice's life, uh, she ends up in a situation where uh, that happens. The, the, that moment gets repeated to her. Yeah, where and so someone's reading the book while she's unconscious. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, so and Justice begins her movement. Um, there, she's a university professor, and they um, they have a divestment. Um, um, campaign going on, and they're basically are arguing for more interdependence, greater cooperation, and less predatory behavior and injustice. Yep. So that's how she starts this activism, and it ends up growing to one of the most effective activism things that ever happened. Yeah. Um, but so what it is actually is a, a sort of a different way to see our future. Mm-hmm. And at one point in the book, she says, "This book, this information is so hopeful, it will trigger your skepticism." <laughs> well, I think that's true. I think that uh, we're so used to uh, kind of the, the the dark story about climate change and all of these things, which are all very real. I mean, I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. denying any of that. But there's another way to see our future too. There's another way to see us kind of evolving. Uh, in a type of renaissance, and it could be described what's going on as a new renaissance too. I mean, we've got we've got the prospect of cheap renewable energy, you know, uh, materials that do magic tricks like crazy, you know, um, uh, food, uh, all kinds of you know different changes in the food system, and so there's lots of reasons to think that um, that this could be a great moment. And yeah, and, and 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 creating the thinking that it's a great moment can help manifest it to be a great totally, moment. Totally. Um, and so, um, one phrase that you've used that, that might be to describe this is interdependent capitalism. Right now, we're experiencing independent capitalism, and how do we move towards interdependent capitalism? But I'd love to throw in some extra words because you know words are always hard to understand. Yep, yep. But so we have sort of a predatory capitalism, rip-off capitalism, jerk capitalism, yep. and just have to look at how we're paying for internet or cell phone. I mean, right. it's crazy. Right. Um, and then um, – so I want to talk about another application uh-huh. to some of this thinking. Um, so in February 20, in February of this year, uh, Texas experienced an historic weather event, right? Yeah. yeah. The state grid passed. It went, almost collapsed. Uh, millions lost power. Um, dozens of lives were lost. But yep. one company made $2.4 billion. Right, right, right. And I, I think the difference between the two, whether – you know, regardless of what you call it, is the idea that it's okay to uh, for one group to profit at the expense of another? So, um, you know, there's nothing innovative about that. There's nothing 
um, that's you're not supplying a product or anything. You just are somehow able to employ leverage uh, to take from others. And that's the independent mind. That's the idea that that it's okay to profit at the expense of others unjustly. And um, and that's what is changing or needs to change. That's, and yeah. and there's examples of it, all kinds of examples of it. I mean, all these big companies have sustainability plans in place today. It isn't because government's requiring it, and it isn't because uh, they don't like their money anymore. It's because their customers and employees and investors. Uh, Want something else. And so uh, Energy Transfer made $2.4 billion. They're yeah. the people behind Dakota Access. Yeah. And let's create a different economy. Let's not hold those up as heroes. Let's find the, the interdependence. Totally. So uh, we're talking about whole earth justice on Food Freedom Radio. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and in studio with us is Gene Turney. He's the author of Whole Earth Justice. And tell us again about what is what does this mean? What is this book, Whole Earth Justice? Uh, this book is about uh, the change that we are experiencing right now, in uh, my belief. And the change can be described as moving from an independent culture to a more interdependent culture. And uh, there's all kinds of ways to see it. I mean, uh, they just took the all-star game out of Georgia, for example, because Major League Baseball was concerned that their customers and their employees and their investors didn't like the uh, the voting stuff that was going on there, the voting legislation that was going on there. And so they moved it. And that's an exa- that example is taking place in a million different ways. I mean, Angie's List, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, energy star ratings, uh, all Yelp, all of these things along with um, uh, socially responsible investor ratings, mm-hmm. all of these things are examples of kind of creating a market pressure um, and they're actually hugely successful and they're changing companies' behaviors. But uh, I'm gonna. Um, but but some of it's not changing fast enough. Correct. I mean, again, yeah. um, there's uh, the Texas in February of 2021. Texas experienced yeah. a historic historical event. Um, uh, uh, dozens died. Um, they lost power for a week. And one company, Energy yeah. Transfer Partners, yeah. the same company behind Dakota Access Pipeline, mm. they made an extra 2.4 billion dollars yeah. because of the Texas storm. Yeah. So you have a fiction book and in the fiction book, the people rally to sort of make visible all of that predatory economic behavior mm-hmm. so that you can create a better system for all and some that works for the planet and water and everything else. Right. They call it out. They call it out. And and uh, and just like your Texas company there that, you know, probably lobbied for the deregulation that uh, that they were able to benefit from and uh, cost a lot of pain to a lot of its customers. doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, and because um, um, ultimately if our reality is interdependent, then domination does not make sense. Correct. Domination does not make sense. Dom- domination is a is an independent or a dependent idea. And um, interdependence is the idea that, that uh, we can make more together by cooperating rather than competing. And so when it comes to energy, there are some real-world examples of incredible hope 
Um, so solar power in 1977, uh, it cost $76 to generate a watt of solar power in 1977. Uh, in 2008, 34 cents for a watt. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing what's happened. I mean, absolutely amazing what's happened. And, uh, and it's happening in batteries too. I mean, we have, you know, Tesla and the cars, you know, really starting to happen. Um, lots and lots of things. I just got done reading Bill Gates's book, actually, and which is not to plug somebody else's book, but, but it's all kinds of innovation that is taking place, which is just honestly miraculous. And so, and I know that I, um, I can't believe I can't remember her name right now, even though I can see her face. But I know some people are critical of that book too. And yep. but but and, and so now one of the hearts of your book is is the golden rule: do unto yep. others as they would have do unto you. And yep. one thing that I'd like is for people to pause and understand me, and not. If you just hear my name, have an automatic story that happens really right. quickly, right? right? How do we slow down and have spaciousness? Right. And then we're all little. We're all learning. And so how do we create something that does work? Yeah. And um, um, But also um, um, understanding that, um, that we are not the center of the universe. Right. You know, humans are not the center of the universe. The right. earth wasn't the center of the universe. Right. Humans aren't the center of the universe. And belonging to nature does not diminish us. Right. Exactly. Reality does not diminish us. Reality and yeah, living in reality is yeah. actually kind of fun. Right. So um, the book is uh, based on um, uh, justice. Justice gets her grandfather's big toe. Her mm -hmm. his theory of everything, mm -hmm. and um, he Grandpa Bill sustainability does not just mean environmental. Mm -hmm. Sustainability. What did sustainability mean to the character's well, it grandfather? Can, it can mean financial sustainability. Uh, you know, your Texas problem. I mean, they those guys didn't want to have the regulations, and so because they, you know, that cost money. And uh, I'm assuming. And uh, but at least that's a type of example. So so money can be sustainable. Environmental consequences can be sustainable. Um, there can be a bunch of different ways. And, and it needs to work for all. We need to get the economy to work for all right. people. I mean, right. we're not separate. Right. And that's that's part of that also, that understanding of interdependence. Again, it's not just about us. It's yeah. about all. Well, and it's interesting the current, you know, problems that are going on, climate change, for example. I mean, you know, it's going to require everybody to work together, the rich, the poor, uh, you know, and, and – uh, there just isn't going to be any way to segregate yourself. No amount of weapons is going to protect you from climate change, you know? Right. And that's what the virus taught us too. Right. Exactly. And, and diversity is a great strength. And so one example or one of the characters yep. is something like the Great Potato Famine. Yeah. That was one of the reasons behind the Great Potato Famine is that, you know, we totally. had the one and only potato. Yep. So we want to have that diversity is natural and and so yep. embracing that complexity yep. of all different voices is, is so cool. When, when you look at your, you know, bailiwick, which is agriculture and so forth, and you see um, homogenized – you know, communities basically selling us, creating a single crop, standardized crop, um, and in order to keep that alive, you have to put in all kinds of inputs. You know, fertilizer, soil remediation, uh, you know, water irrigation, all kinds of things, and um, that's not the way nature builds communities. Mm -hmm. Nature builds communities much more diverse, and they're they don't require any outside um, measures to keep them alive. Um, so anyway, right. and I'm not saying that I'm not saying that 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 farming is bad per se. I'm saying that we need to be aware that when you pull out some aspect and of nature and try to 
you know, just homogenize that, you're going to have all kinds of additional inputs and costs that you're going to have to put into it in order to keep it alive. Right. And the way that our, our culture has thought about um, life and reality mm-hmm. – and again, I'm going to go – you talk a little bit about Copernicus. And mm-hmm. so once upon a time, we thought the earth was the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. You know, We had those ideas. And we still have um, sort of an idea of a human-centric world where we don't see – all these other different aspects mm-hmm. and and so actually understanding the soil mm-hmm. and there's some really fun complicated words like for instance trees talk to each other yeah. and there's this incredible yeah. soil of life so it's not like um, hello Viking Stadium they're Vikings Lane it's not like you can cut down 3,000 trees and just plant one tree over here and make another tree go over here and it's all the same yeah. I mean and, and then trying to um, collectively um, understand and have humility towards nature right. um, creates a much better food system and a funner way of life right I mean, nature is the greatest magic show ever. Right, and we I love just that. need to understand it and yes, see it. Yes, see, see, see it and see it and play with right. it. Right. But we have alive in us codes of conduct that are so pervasive that yeah. they're invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and uh, one of the examples is, in some ways, uh, we've all been colonized. Mm-hmm. Totally, and uh, and I think it's if you go back to the Renaissance, prior to the Renaissance, I mean, we were kind of a dependent people. And every – all the decisions were made by either the church or royalty in one form or another. And then after the renaissance, we went through the scientific revolution. And that mm-hmm. was really a revolution of independence. Mm-hmm. It was independence of the church and independence of other authorities. And at the same time, there was the the uh, discovery, supposedly discovery of uh, the Americas, you know, which actually had been discovered I think probably long before that. <laughs> but at any rate, there was – there was the colonization by the by the European powers, and it was interesting because that you, there, it was too far away and too big for any European power to control. And so the people that came here became really independent. And then we, and then we went through the Enlightenment, and the Enlightenment is about independence and democracy, and uh, and so we ended up declaring. You know our independence, the Declaration of Independence, and mm-hmm. and forming uh, uh, the United States, and so those things were all really part of our independent phase. Yeah, and um, and so the character calls for a new um, code, and that that yeah. our codes are actually very persuasive and, and, and yeah. pervasive. They're yeah. all over the place, and we're yeah. just not aware of them. Yeah. But they call uh, the, uh, the the they call for a new code, and that's based on environment. Equity and growth, economic yep. growth, yep. and sometimes we have almost this uh, dualistic perspective that oh, if we make the if we do something good for the environment, that means we're going to have a it's going to come at the cost of the economy. Yeah, and what you're saying is just the opposite. No, it's not. Yeah, it's it's interesting though. There's a there's a there's another book out right now that I just read um, called the Don- Donut Economics by oh, yes, Kate Raworth. Yeah, yep. and. Um, and you know she says that when we kind of invented economics or the current study of economics, you know um, demand and and supply and growth was all kind of developed um, out of uh, Newtonian kind of physics graphs that looked like this and and mm-hmm. so forth and she says you know it just doesn't it just it's not the way it really works you know growth is good. If it gets you out of poverty and then it becomes bad and it's good for a while and then it becomes bad again when it starts polluting and so uh, – which is where her idea of the donut comes from is that you have to get far enough. You get enough growth to be good 
and then you can get too much and it becomes destructive again. Right. And um, I, I, there's a lot of things I want to get in, but I, one thing that's um, – one of the themes in the book is also the importance of open source. And yeah. So the uh, the stuff around intellectual property that we have yeah. currently, um, you want to talk about that because it's it's kind of crazy, really. Yeah, it, well, it is crazy, and there and and I would say it's one of those areas where it's um, uh, purism uh, of any type probably isn't the answer here, but it's about it's about you know finding a middle ground that that makes some sense. I mean, we want to have innovation, we want to reward people who do the work to get innovation, but we don't want to have a system where big companies with lots of lawyers can manipulate the system for years and years and years and change, you know, one tiny little ingredient in a pill and keep something for hundreds of years, uh, you know, in the private realm. And so the book Whole Earth Justice is about the most effective social me- movement ever. And what the social movement does is it offers people a place. Yeah. It offers people a place and it connects them uh, to each other so that they – and encourages them to start cooperating with each other and find ways to do it and to teach each other. And so one of the characters is Neil Freeman and he is quoted as saying creativity is a force multiplier. What yeah. does that mean? Yeah. yeah. Neil um, – uh, runs a company called Thought Market, and Thought Market is a, a kind of a um, creativity uh, development tool um, that he sells in corporate um, environments to make organizations more creative. And it becomes he gets connected with the whole Earth Justice movement because he realizes that that what whole Earth Justice is trying to do is they're kind of creating an interdependence machine. A cooperation machine, and that's what whole, uh, Thought Market does. And so, anyway, they get connected, and he becomes a part in, of of the of the organization. And so, the, in this book, there's um, we're going to have to take our break, but there's a lot of coincidences and complex coordinations. Mm. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about the book Whole Earth Justice, a story about changing the world from Gene Turney. Um, and uh, encourage people to go check it out. And their website is wholeearthjustice.com. Okay. Um, we'll be right back with our last segment. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Headland, a student of permaculture, a person who knows cheap food is not cheap, and someone who grew up on the golden rule, do unto others as you have do unto them. Uh, that's a golden rule. And today's guest offers a new interpretation of the golden rule for our time. The other doesn't mean just humans. Humans are not the center. We're not a human-centric world. We're an interdependent world. And um, so he has a book called Whole Earth Justice. It's about a new non-aligned, non-governmental power center emerging in the world today. It's a new force so powerful. Powerful that um, before we've even recognized its existence, it's already disrupted the the status quo. Correct. Cool. Yeah. So, okay, what does that now apply to the food system? This is a food show. So, how would that look an interdependent food system? Yeah. Well, I think it means that we have to consider all of the consequences of the way we do things, and um, um, you know, there there probably are ways to do things that are better, the permaculture and so forth. I mean, a lot of that is like putting nature back into the food system. And uh, But there's – I'm not an anti-technology person. 
I'm actually kind of a believer that technology has an important role to play. And I think there's lots of technology being applied in the in the food system right now. But it's really a matter of it's really a matter of um, caring about the pieces, the inputs. Uh, you know, I think you got to care about the chickens. You know, um, cage-free chickens sell better and taste better, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, at least I know that they sell for a lot more money in the store. And uh, so there's all kinds of all kinds of examples uh, like that. I mean, beef is a big problem that we're working on, mm-hmm. but I think there's all kinds of solutions. And then caring about that is it's not just environment by itself. So it's not just free range for myself, right. but it's free range for all. Right. And so how do we create the economic system? And this is what the co-ops were about. You know, feeding, yep. feeding, not feeding. I don't know, but I mean, having a system where people can eat in a way that's aligned with our hearts. Right. Right, exactly. And I, you know, I think some of these, um, you know, uh, places where they raise um, birds or pigs or whatever, you know, are just kind of horrible environments. And and we should care about that. And if we do care about it, um, we might look for a solution. There probably are solutions. Yeah, and I mean, um, we only we're down our last six minutes. And there's one of my favorite characters in the book that I, I feel like I didn't do the right thing if I didn't mention Zip. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about Zip. Well, Zip is an interesting character because he's um, he's got a, a kind of a big political background and um, uh, has worked on a lot of candidates um, and so forth. Um, he has a very unusual childhood, um, and he's also an art. Uh, dealer and so forth and um, and uh, so Zip um, gets hired to consult with Whole Earth Justice on uh, bringing it into – you know, Whole Earth Justice was a movement that just kind of evolved and so they never sat down. They were never premeditated about what it was and Zip kind of helps them bring all of that together and he's a very saucy kind of character and so he's fun. And that was one of the fun things else in the book is that there was a lot of coincidences and complex coordination. So like mm-hmm. for whatever reason, the main character decides to walk into a church and then that mm-hmm. that father becomes a critical person. In fact, he brings that statement mm-hmm. um, uh, that um, – um, the, the, the new statement. Yeah, about the, the golden rule. So, yeah. what is that new statement about the golden rule? Yeah. Um, well, I think I think it's uh, um, just the the idea is is that in order to save ourselves, we have to save everybody else too. And you can broaden that and say nature and include nature too, not just humans. And in order to do that, we have to we have to cure the the um, Free ourselves of the impediments that are in our heart, um, you know, the prejudices and the bigotries and the fears uh, of the other that we carry around with us, and prevent us from cooperating and f- prevent us from valuing and being interdependent. Yeah, what does prevent us from cooperating? Yeah, I think it's I think it's fear. I mean, primarily fear, mm-hmm. I, I, fear of the other. Um, you know, there's some greed in there too. Yeah. And then one of the things that Zip does is he takes this complex – they, they kind of go through what are we actually trying to do? And yeah. again, this is a fictitious um, social justice movement. And what Zip says is we belong, mm-hmm. we message, we network. Right. 
That belonging. Belonging is an important thing. I, I mean, I, it's one of the it's one of the main things in life. I think is is uh, is needing to belong, and it's a kind of a weird irony that um, this is my observation. I'm not a psychologist or anything like that, but I feel like a lot of us need to somehow distinguish ourselves in order to feel worthy of belonging. Yes. And so there's a lot of us that are out there, um, you know. Uh, and we don't accept our own belonging as a state of fact. We all belong wherever yeah. we are in our life. We right. all just by that. That's what we're born with. We're right. born with belonging. Right. But our culture seems to be um, right. Trying Doesn't, to tell us we're not. We don't belong. We don't. What do we yeah, do. We don't deserve to belong. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right. And that's why a, does our culture do that? Well, it's an independent culture. It's a, the idea. This is that it's about us. It's about winning. It's about. Um, you know ourselves, and it's not about the whole. And um, there's a there's a guy who was once president, but I can't seem to remember his name right now. But um, there's, and I, I want to connect that. Yeah, I'm glad you're kind of smiling <laughs> and laughing. Other people might. But uh, you conclude the book with post, Pope Francis' 2015 letter on yeah. ecology. Yeah, in the appendix. Yeah. Yeah, that's in the appendix, and it says the emptier emptier a person's heart is, the more he or she needs things to buy, own, and consume. Yeah. Um, but it also says creation is the order of love and the principle of maximizing profits frequently isolated from other conditions reflect a misunderstanding of the very nature of the economy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what's really interesting about Pope Francis's uh, encyclical is the journey of the church from the Renaissance and the time of Copernicus. When you know, Copernicus wrote his book 25 years before he died. And he didn't publish it until his deathbed because he was afraid of the church. And he was right to be afraid of them because 60 years later, they, you know, put uh, put uh, Galileo in prison for the rest of his life, you know, for proving up what Copernicus had said. And so the, the church was all about control and dominance and dependence and they were breaking away from that and becoming independent. Well, now, 500 years later, the pope is writing this interdependent document. Basically, and so you know the church's journey is our journey in some ways, and you know they started out as a as a dependent um, kind of authority, and then the population has gone through independence and dragged the church along, and now the church is talking about interdependent ideas, just like my book is basically just like your book is now give us the website where people can um, order the book yeah um, uh, well Amazon it's available on Amazon uh, Whole Earth Justice and it's also available on my website which is wholeearthjustice.com and I love decentralized so I, I'd like to I've never shopped at that particular place that you've mentioned I just I don't because I yeah. believe in diversity yeah. and yeah. and they, uh, it's so hard for the little guys to come together right. when, when you have these large dominant players yeah. so I, no, you know, I certainly get that I don't plant buckthorn or dandelions <laughs> but I like a dandelion insurrection every now and then so Absolutely. so well thank you so much Gene for Thanks being for here I know we could have talked a lot longer so uh, and thank you for listening to Food Freedom Radio. Um, have an awesome week. Thank you.